chapter 14 from the book of Acts. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. I'll stop right there because obviously we can see from this that it says the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So there's always an opposition. When God's word is being spoken, if someone is under the influence of the evil spiritual realm, Satan, demonic, whatever you want to call it, they are going to try to interfere with someone hearing the gospel because they have different motivation. Satan, the devil, evil spiritual demonic forces want to find people and destroy them. Jesus wants to give them eternal life. So they have opposing goals that they're trying to reach with people. So of course, as soon as the the message, the information that will get somebody prepared so that they can be in God's kingdom in eternity, immortal beings, as soon as that message is going to go out to someone, of course, the evil realm is going to try to squash it and do whatever they can so that person can't get the message. And this is just over and over throughout the book of Acts. You see this where the word's being spread and then there's people coming against it because they're being influenced by the evil spiritual realm. So it's, anyway, um, but here's what God does. God steps it up a notch. He sees this evil. So then he allows Paul and Barnabas to perform signs and wonders because God wants people to, to believe. That's what Jesus said. The will of the, my father is that you believe. And so that's what God wants. And nothing is going to stand in God's way. It's going to happen. So God's message will get through to someone. But it doesn't mean that everybody is going to be saved because people will still choose to reject God or to accept his word. So it, it all falls on us. What happens in our eternity is all our responsibility. We can't blame it on anyone else. Everyone has equal access to the kingdom of God. And it is all about a choice. It's not about our past, because our past can be forgiven when we ask for forgiveness and we change the way we are going forward. We can't stay doing it and just keep asking for forgiveness. That's not repentance. We have to repent. We have to turn away from what we're doing that's wrong in God's eyes. And when we reject that, that is when we can be in God's kingdom. So 
It's such a simple thing, but it's a hard thing too because people have to reject sin and sin is very enticing and um, manipulating and deceptive. It promises things that are fake promises that aren't real and people are deceived by it and it's very successful. And so it is hard for people to turn away from sin. There's no question about that. Uh, But if people know that everyone who is in sin is in bondage, is in slavery, is being manipulated, is being deceived by evil, don't you think you're going to want to get out of it? Aren't you going to want to break free from that manipulation, deception, all those things? Well, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do for you, what God does for you when you really want that, when you want to be a child of God. That's how you can break free from it. So going back to scripture, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and they fled to Lycaonian, the cities of Lystra and Derbe, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that point, the man jumped up and began to walk. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So Paul had some supernatural ability through the Holy Spirit that he could see that that guy had faith, the faith to be healed. It seems like it takes, I mean, faith can do a lot of things. So Paul looked at him and then he just said it and the guy was healed. So isn't that pretty amazing? You know, like Jesus said, faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So it, there's a lot that can happen when you have faith and belief in God. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to believe. So if we believe, he's going to bless us in some way. So the faith that we have is going to make wonderful things. I, well, I can't say it's going to make. It has to be in accordance with God's will and God's plan. So um, we don't always get everything that we ask for in prayer. But if it's according to God's will, we will. So knowing what God's will is, is important or asking God what his will is or asking to be guided within his will is important. But going back to scripture, um, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. 
We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go on their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fulfills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. So they go from worshiping them to stoning them. I mean, it's it just crazy. So this is Paul who, you know, used to persecute Christians. And now he's receiving the persecution all in the name of Jesus because he's spreading the good news about what Jesus is offering to all people. So going back to scripture, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committing, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. Chapter 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about the question. The church sent them on their way, and they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that, this, that some time ago, 
God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. So I'll stop right now because they're trying to make more requirements to be saved. But really, the only requirements to be saved are repentance and receiving the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus did the act, not the act, but Jesus did uh, the, he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So that was what was required to make it possible for us to get in God's kingdom. But the thing that we have to do is repentance and receiving the Holy Spirit. But then this group of people is saying, well, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. But that's not true. And they are now in an argument with the Jews who hold to the law and are in conflict. Like, I don't know if they just don't understand or they're just rejecting or they're blinded. I don't know what the circumstance is, but they're trying to put on more. So anyway, going back to scripture, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and tell Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things, things known from long ago? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That's that repentance part. They are turning away from sin and turning towards God. Going back to scripture. Instead, we should write to them, telling them, to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times as read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So um, what the study Bible says, because it does seem like they're saying, well, you don't have to do all these extra things to earn salvation, but then they're telling them, but you need to do this and this and this. So it's kind of a mixed message here, except the study Bible kind of answers it. So um, it says, why include sexual immorality and dietary restrictions? The Greek and Roman world was filled with pagan religions to help the Gentiles break their past 
and to ease sensitive Jewish consciences, Gentiles were told to cut themselves off from anything related to pagan worship, including pagan religious festivals, which were often marked by sensual revelry and sexual immorality. These prohibitions were not intended to cover the whole picture of morality. More specific warnings are found later in the New Testament letters. So it's, they were trying to maybe keep the, you know, the apostles Paul and Barnabas were trying to keep peace between the Gentiles and the Jews, the believers to say, just don't do these things, you know, at least. And um, that's the way the study Bible addresses that. So then going back to, um, uh, I guess, the letters that they were referring that Paul wrote later to all the different churches, he he's very specific about how people live if they have the Holy Spirit. So that's really important to lead, like read all of the letters um, of Paul to the different people. And it actually in the Bible that comes right after the book of Acts are all of the letters that Paul wrote to different churches in different areas. And um, I've actually done Bible studies on all those letters. So they are earlier ones than this one that you're listening to. So if you want to go back to those letters, you can find them in on this uh, podcast. So going back to scripture, then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter, the apostles and elders, your brothers, to, wait, it says, the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we, are, so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. 
Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So scripture shows us the reality of this. Here we have, you know, Paul and Barnabas who were doing all these different things and they were traveling along and they were making believers and they were doing God's work, but yet they have a disagreement because Barnabas wants to bring her along, John also called Mark, and Paul doesn't want to do that. So then they split up and Barnabas goes with John and then, uh, who's also called Mark, and Paul goes with Silas. And, you know, God doesn't really like that division, but it it happened. It's just reality. We're, this just shows that even the followers of Jesus, the ones who were anointed with the Holy Spirit, that were doing miracles and, um, you know, spreading the word of God, even they are not perfect, just like priests, pastors, religious people, rabbis, all of them today, they're not perfect. They're human beings, just like all of us. They have good things and they have bad things within them. And no one is perfect until Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, he's going to perfect everybody. We will have immortal bodies. And until then, Nobody's going to be perfect, and even leaders within that are doing good things are not perfect. They're going to have shortcomings, and you know it does. Scripture does tell us. Even Paul is the one who wrote about it later. Was that you know don't let anger get a foothold. That's letting the devil get a foothold. So don't let the sun go down. I don't. I don't memorize well, but it's something about don't let the sun go down and arguing with somebody, make up with them because you don't want the devil to get a foothold. You don't want the devil to encroach. Make sure, you know, reconcile with people. Don't have this, you know, uh, ongoing dispute with somebody. Um, You got to let go. You've got to forgive. And it says like, we are supposed to forgive the way God forgives us. And God just forgives us over and over when we're sincere about asking for forgiveness and wanting to change our life, not just say, forgive me this time, and then I go do it tomorrow, and then I go back and ask for forgiveness again. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for somebody who's truly repentant, turning away from that, saying, I want to stop that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want forgiveness for what I've done, but I don't want to do it anymore. Now, God, help me through the Holy Spirit. Help me to live that way. That's what repentance is. And um, that's what God wants us to remain in peace. And it says in Scripture too, blessed are the peacekeepers. So the people who are peaceful with one another, we should always strive to be peaceful. But, you know, none of us are going to be perfect and like this shows, you know, the people who are, who wrote the Bible 
are not perfect. We're not perfect and had disputes, but God doesn't like that. We know throughout scripture that that's not something that God is happy with, but it's reality and it's documented in scripture. So that's another way that truth is. Like, why would you put it in there if you wanted everybody who spoke the word of God or gave the news of Jesus, made them all perfect, like didn't show any traits of arguments, disagreements, things like that. But the Bible's real. It's true. It's showing like these guys had a disagreement and this is what happened. It documents it. So it's another reason why you can look at the Bible because it shows reality. So anyway, we finished chapter 15 and next one will be chapter 16 from the book of Acts.